Hello, greetings and salutations. This is episode 17 of The Pulpit. The Pulpit is a place where interests are piqued, tempers are tested, apologies given, and there's a quick apology probably that needs to be made. We've had a little bit of a delay since our last broadcast, but some of that will be explained in due course. Um, We are coming to you live from beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, at a temporary stop holdover for recording purposes. Uh, Pretty pristine, however, um, uh, is with me. With me again is Roberto Robert Marks, producer extraordinaire. Howdy, howdy. Um, Ron Sandak. The pulpit is brought to you by no one yet. So if you're interested (laughs) in sponsoring, um, really affordable rates are available. Uh, and we'll plug, so long as it's pluggable, your product, service, shtick, or whatever. So since episode 16, there have been some really interesting developments in the world of politics in Illinois. And the only unit of government not heretofore implicated is the federal Bureau. <laughs> well, actually, a federal bureau of investigations involved, but the federal government is the one not implicated. So we have state government implicated. We have the city of Chicago and we have various units of municipal government and private sector individuals, entities, lobbyists, etc. So should you be uninitiated and or only tangentially notified, there have been a flurry of subpoenas, um, a flurry of raids, some indictments and arrests, and a number of notable resignations that have occurred. And what I tried to do a couple um, episodes back is throw them in different channels or tranches or buckets, if you will. So for purposes of of illustration, we'll have what we'll call tranche or bucket number one. Let's just call it uh, Commonwealth Edison, Exelon. (laughs) Tranche two or bucket number two, we will call gambling and the associated circumstances surrounding that. Um, Tranche number three or lane number three, if you will, we'll just call it construction, capital budget, items. And then in bucket number four, tranche number four, we'll just say miscellaneous, all-encompassing. All right. So back to number one, Commonwealth Edison. So Am Parmajori, former president of Commonwealth Edison and Exelon resigned many uh, several months ago, uh, very abruptly and under some interesting circumstances. The companies both identified two subpoenas that were issued to both companies. And there were a bunch of folks who got subpoenas supposedly surrounding some of the aspects involving Commonwealth Edison and Exelon's lobbying practices and really dating back to some crazy that occurred back in 2016 with a bill that was for Commonwealth Edison and Exelon's benefit um, that occurred in the veto session. And essentially what was happening back in 2016, Commonwealth Edison and Exelon were saying they were going to close or Exelon was going to close some of their nuclear power plants because they were not operating power, uh, uh, 
they weren't operating in the black and were a drag and they needed state assistance in certainly obtaining rate payer um, uh, bumps so that these unprofitable, non-profitable Exelon nuclear plants would be maintained and the jobs would be maintained as well. And a bevy of other things, including some clean energy projects. It was this huge piece of legislation. Well, we find out now that there was some shenanigans associated with that. And there were some other shenanigans going on. Um, but a, a gentleman by the name of Mike McLean, who apparently, well, I knew him as Madigan's go-to guy. He uh, apparently was one of the guys quarterbacking uh, the, the legislation for basically ComEd. He was a ComEd uh, lobbyist and was quarterbacking some of the, 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 the who was going to help get what done. Well, Mike's house was raided. Um, Mike apparently was also uh, wearing a, someone was wearing a wire and, and or his phones were tapped and a whole bunch of things were, were gleaned, including this little tidbit. Ready for this, Bob? Ready. So apparently Madigan had some staffers there in the 13th ward that had done some bad things and including harassing one of the democratic staffers that was on the legislative side. This gentleman who was harassing her uh, was fired during the whole Me Too movement. And that, you know, that's good. He was fired for bad acts, right? Well, we find out that certain ComEd lobbyists made payments from ComEd money to the guy that was fired. So while Madigan's telling everybody he's professing, hey, this is bad behavior, ComEd lobbyists were taking money and giving it to him ostensibly as some type of he needs help. He doesn't have a job. He's got a mortgage and a family and we got to help this guy out. That came from Mike McLean, Madigan's, you know, highest lieutenant. So think about that. Madigan saying this is intolerable behavior. We've cut the cancer from our organization free while the, 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 this Madigan's number two guy is basically working around making sure this cancer is funded. What the hell is that all about, right? This is going on while, with ComEd money. So here's what, why that's important. So first of all, it, you couldn't tell the legion of ComEd lobbyists without a scorecard. And the scorecard all led back to Madigan. They were all almost to, almost all Madigan former staffers, legislators, loyalists. That's who ComEd was paying, right? And then you see this money get siphoned off to a guy who's not a lobbyist. So that's a violation of campaign disclosure. It's a violation of the lobbyist disclosure laws. It's a violation. Um, obviously, you only get paid if you do work. Well, this gentleman, whose name is Kevin Quinn, is getting these payments through Madigan surrogates while Madigan is saying he's cleaned up his organization. All right. So that's one thing. Oh, yeah. Mike McLean, by the way, had resigned his lobby responsibilities, given up his law license, and was still taking in $316,000 from Commonwealth Edison and Exelon. Oops. Oh, yeah. And there's also Jay Doherty, head of the 
Chicago, the city's venerable uh, Chicago club, who I never even knew was a Commonwealth Edison lobbyist, bringing Ann Parmajori in front of the city club to give all these wonderful civic talks all the while he's on her payroll. What the hell is going on, right? So that whole tranche of Commonwealth Edison getting this preferred piece of legislation through some crazy lobbying techniques, and there's been rumors and innuendo and speculation and conjecture. Did I put that in enough yes, adjectives? Yep. That jobs and influence have been you know, basically promised and given in exchange for this legislation passing. So that's that one tranche, Commonwealth Edison Exelon. The other tranche is the construction world. So the $45 billion capital budget just passed. Maddie, Marty Sandoval, Senator Sandoval, former Senator Sandoval, was supposedly quarterbacking that. And, oh, yeah, his house got raided. His office got raided. Um, and he hasn't been seen or heard from in months other than he just resigned. And a whole bunch of subpoenas went out to construction companies, engineers, lobbyists, and recipients of largesse. By the way, that's bucket three, right? Bucket Correct. two was the gambling. I'll come back to that. So bucket it's three, okay. I'm out of order. Yep. So Sandoval resigns and a whole bunch of subpoenas are flying with respect to how construction contracts, jobs, et cetera, were awarded. And then there's this offshoot on this to the red light cameras, which have always been a scam in my mind. And we're finding out the mayor of Lyons, his name is Getty. He runs Getty Insurance and had a bunch of red light camera contracts. Jeff Tobolsky, the mayor of McCook, also part of this red light camera scam, also a Cook County commissioner, hasn't been seen in months um, that there's some untoward behaviors with respect to red light cameras, construction jobs, Marty Sandoval. By the way, do you know who Sandoval, Sandoval is this, was the former senator? One of his reps in his district is Mike Madigan. Shocking, right? Um, so there's a whole bunch of subpoenas that have come out on that. Then back to gambling. So um, Terry Link, senator from the Waukegan area, apparently was wearing a wire for a long time. He denies it. The Trib and Sun-Times say they have sources that confirm it. Terry is sitting down with Louis Arroyo, a state rep, who wants to get some provisions to the gambling bill tweaked for clients and or himself. He basically gives Terry Link or an other unnamed state senator 2500 bucks. It's on a wire. A Royal's indicted. Link's implicated. It's So we have at least three senators. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned Tom Cullerton, who was indicted for ghost payrolling uh, for some Teamsters. So we've got two state senators, um, three state senators raided, one indicted, one about to be indicted, another probably indicted, and a whole list of other things. Oh, and by the way, John Cullerton, state, uh, the president of the Senate, just resigned last month, effective in January. His name's been bandied about on a bunch of stuff. Are you with me so far? Yeah. It's a lot of state senators, yeah. right? One state rep, a lot of state senators, and then there's this catch-all thing. So there's been a bunch of articles in WBEZ, the Tribune, and the Sun-Times about um, Frank Cortese, who's a lobbyist, who has a bunch of video gaming, who knows a bunch of bad guys on the West Side, 
and a bunch of, you know, guys in uh, Rosemont, Cicero, Bridgeview, McCook, Lions, Summit, Justice, you name it. So that's that all the catch-all thing. So what does all this mean? How the hell do I know? But here's what I do know. Um, the, the filing period for candidacies have come and gone. We know who the candidates are for election, retention, et cetera. But there is a myriad of rumors and speculation as to what's next, who's next. There's no doubt that Madigan is the target. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Is he attainable? Is he catchable? You, you know I have questions at the end of this. Yeah, man. Well, they, hang on. That's the whole thing. So the rumor about Mike McLean, you know, Madigan's capo, number two, is that he may be being squeezed personally and his family may be being squeezed. And kind of like the John Coley, the Teamster thing, once they got your family, you start talking. So the question is, will he start talking? I don't know. Um, that is, you know, a possibility. And if he is, what is he going to say? What is what is he? What can he possibly have on Madigan? Um, is you know the the question. It, what's interesting right now is I don't think Madigan's ever been more vulnerable, less powerful. Um, and you need only look at the city of Chicago with Ed Burke and the indictment that's occurred there, and the other investigations that are that are ongoing. You know, people forget Danny Solis wore, wore a wire for several years. Carrie Austin, Alderman, her offices were raided. Um, there are hints of you know others that may be wearing wires of other city hall investigations. When we know it's happening at the Capitol, it's happening at City Hall, it's happening out in the western suburbs, near western burbs, and and the the the, the scope and breadth of this federal investigation seems to be as overwhelming and as all-encompassing as anything we've heard of since maybe Greylord. And that's a big deal. Now, you're old enough to remember Greylord, yep. Roberto. Some listeners may not. It was basically a federal investigation of money that went to judges and traffic court. And there were judges and lawyers and lobbyists and bad men that went down. People flipped. People went to jail. Powerful people. It was a big deal, a huge deal. This investigation seems to be every bit as big if not bigger. And it seems to be encompassing, you know, the, a, a utility, a you know, a, basically a, a monopoly that's state governed and regulated. A capital bill, which has asphalt people, construction, contractors, engineers, again, lobbyists all over the place. There's hints of cooperating witnesses. If you look in the indictments, there's a lobbyist cooperating witness, heretofore unidentified. Uh, you know, how does gambling get done in Illinois? Well, apparently it gets done illicitly, or at least that's the implication. It would not surprise me if marijuana is next in this tranche of investigation. But big bills happened last session, and it seems to be um, around potential corruption that seems all-encompassing, and it's just deflating in some respects. I guess I'm heartened by the fact that everyone's known how corrupt Illinois is. It would be great if it were finally eradicated. I just don't, I don't 
think I have that belief that it will be, but certainly there seems to be an attempt. Now, are you ready for my what I believe thing? I believe that some of this has to do with the Trump administration and the Trump's Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office directed by Trump and or Attorney General Barr. All the MF and state legislators and city uh, politicians do about Trump may have come home and kicked themselves. It, it may be, you know, I get it. You're, you're bad mouthing Trump. Congratulations. He appears to be coming after Illinois um, Democrats, particularly who may be, you know, doing things in a bad way. That's what it looks like to me. Um, it's a fascinating time to be alive for observers. And I'm an observer of Illinois government. I'm an observer of city Chicago government and governance and policy. And it makes me recoil to think that there was never an opportunity to truthfully and, and honestly rehabilitate and reform it if this was the underlying, always present problem, right? How are you going to fix anything if it was always on the take? How can you really address problems if there was never legit? Well, that leads to my question. So you ready? You done? Yeah. Your tracks are done. Here we go. All right. So this is not the first time that the feds have come in and done sweeping. You just stated one of the major ones historically. It's not the first time they've come in and done sweeping, um, you know, going after Illinois politicians, right? So the feds sweep in, big bright lights out in the in the prison yard, right? They get their, their certain people, um, they go through the process, the lights sweep on to the next thing, and corruption comes back. It's just, it's so systemic. Vacuum. Right. It's a vacuum. So question number one, this leads up to the big question. Two, it's just a little bit simpler question, these people that resign, right? So I'm assuming they resign, they're still potentially, they may you know, rat out whomever, and they get either lenient sentences, no sentences. But I'm assuming they still get their pensions and all benefits that they may have earned through the service that they've. If they're been convicted given. of fraud, no. If it's not fraud, and if it's off the job type stuff, they get to keep the pension. If their jobs are implicated, if it's in the course of their duties, and then their pensions can be um, cut off. Correct. Um, so when these, again, with, with using the analogy of the prison, you know, the, the big bright light out in the prison yard, right? Not assuming anybody's guilty. That's not my point. Point is, you get the big federal light coming in. It sweeps across the land. Um, it seems when they do this, even if they got Madigan or anybody at that top level, there have to be people because it's, it's such a systemic problem. It's been since time began in this state. When Lincoln was finally buried after the third attempt, I think it started probably 10 years into that. How do you not have this this next level just that's sitting in wait to come in and backfill and take over the systemic um, I don't know problem I, I don't know but for Chicago that seems like the answer is it, you know you're screwed it's just going to be the but it has to go still. to zero right in theory I mean yeah, I don't the, the think only, that's possible the, oh, I understand it but the, the the only way that you really get rid of this right so corruption is because of, of the power of the money right so if you get into a point where your 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 city your municipality start filing bankruptcy and you start taking away some of that power and you turn the power over to the courts in a in a um, what do you call in a bankruptcy uh, when trustee. They a trustee um, now all of a sudden you're you're taking the power out and you start to just literally deflate the balloon but minor minus that what this, you know, they're, they're, it's fascinating to read this and listen to all the podcasts on this. But again, at the end of the day, 
the big bright light's going to move on in, in, in my city. I mean, you, you've been through this. You've Bob, sat down there. I, the only thing I can tell you is, is if you cut off Madigan, if he is eliminated, there, there is a chance at least for short-term reform. To me, I mean, if, if, if there isn't, if this doesn't beget term limits, if this doesn't get some really fundamental change, I mean, then look, we, we deserve it, right? We get what we deserve. Absolutely. If this doesn't motivate people to change their voting habits, to who, you know, to change who they support, to get behind a simple proposition like term limits and get the careerists out, because I think that's what frankly breeds this type of corruption. If, I mean, then we get what we deserve, right? Key, key, key point. And that's exactly where I was trying to wrap this around, right? I wanted your opinion because you sat down on the floor. You've been, in, you've been in, on the other side of this. But what this really boils down to, everything we've talked about this entire year, boils down to the individual, the people, the power of the vote. We have put up with this crap. My dad put up with it. I remember him coming home and, and complaining about you know the, 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 the stuff he had to deal with. This has been going on forever, but Decades. it really is. It, it the, the point is the power of the people in the vote. We have allowed this to happen, and we have got to make, you know, people are walking out of the state, um, 45,000 people left in, in, in the year. You know, the numbers are, are just, in, in the grand scheme of things, they're minuscule, but it's an ever-increasing number. We talked about the tax base also, but at the end of the day, one of the only ways this is really going to systemically um, the the air taken out of it is if we go and start doing something about this as voters, plain and simple, right? Right. So it, it's funny. Uh, I, I I can tell you what's going to happen this coming session. Um, you know, Trump's on the ballot, so he is a you know a divisive character north of I eighty, insofar as Illinois state politics are concerned. Democrats are going to say we're fighting Trump. Vote for me. Uh, Republicans are going to get. St- steamrolled if they don't point back and say, you can hate Trump all you want. Vote him out of office federally. But he's not in Springfield. He's not in Chicago. Here's who is. In the picture of Mike Madigan, a picture of John Cullerton, Tom Cullerton, Marty Sandoval, Louis Arroyo, Terry Link, and the rest of whomever else is identified as, you know, the the people that have polluted state government. So vote Trump out if you want. You can hate him all you want. You can think he's terrible. Okay. But he isn't raising your property taxes. He's not raising your state income taxes. He has nothing to do with the progressive tax, which I think is basically a corruption tax. He has nothing to do with what's going on with this state's insolvency and bankruptcy. Nothing. So the diversionary tactic either works or it doesn't. It's worked in the past. And if I were betting, and I'm not a betting person, I would bet it works again. I hope I'm wrong. It's about time people started voting with their pocketbooks locally and in state elections, irrespective of partisan politics and political parties. Vote for someone who says they want to do one thing to clean up state government and get out. And if you don't vote for term limits, I think you're a fool. That's it. Period. Yeah. A fool. Agree. That's all I got on that. What else you got? That, that's it. Those are my questions. I mean, we, we, we've been around this, and it's fascinating to, to listen and to And so you. here's what I think, Bob, to wrap this, because we're in 24 minutes. I think something's going to break. It may not be the full breadth of the federal government. Something's going to break in the next two weeks. I could be wrong. I am willing to, because apologies are what we do sometimes, I will admit I'm wrong. 
I think next week we're going to do a year-long roundup, right? And kind of a prognostication into what we see for 2020. 2020. Part of this will have to do with this ongoing corruption corruption roundup and where it's going because it is intertwined, deeply embedded into what this state can do to fix its financial future, change its political trajectory, and any semblance of short-term hope really is tied in, in no small part, to what this what comes of this corruption roundup. Because cleansing both Springfield, Chicago, and in municipalities is required. And to me, um, it'll be interesting to see if we if we if we learn any lessons here. All right, and that'll be part of the going forth prognostication of what political short-term steps people can take to, I don't know, put their arms around their own future well, and it, fix it, some of this shit. But it, here's a tidbit. There was an increase in taxation, property taxes of $1 billion mm-hmm. from 18 to 19. So statewide. put your arms around that. That's statewide. Right. Put population, your arms around that. Population decreases, <laughs> but taxes go up. And that's going to be the way things go, whether it's property tax, income tax, any type of tax, because we have a diminishing crowd Fewer people are going to be paying, but they're going to be paying more. So if you're sticking around, you're paying more, period, end of the game. To your point, put your arms around, put your arms around your wallet, folks, because they're well, coming for it. You can put it around it, but they're going to come take it unless you're out. Put your arms around your wallet. because So that session abruptly ended. <laughs> so this is the wrap-up of that previous piece. More is coming shortly. Stay tuned. We will have a pulpit for the end of 2019 and a prognostication pulpit for 2020. Thanks for listening. Appreciate comments or questions. I'm Ron Sandek. He's Bob Marks. We're the pulpit. Cheers. Grazie. Adios. Until then.